Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Jesus movement. This is the phrase that we're talking about as we take some time this month to talk about uh, a Jesus movement. And that is, it's a, a, a Jesus-centered, spirit-led, loving community of missionaries. This is what I believe is the ingredients to seeing a Jesus movement take place. As you and I would be Jesus-centered, spirit-led, and be a loving community of missionaries. And so last week we talked about the Jesus-centered part. Had a lot of fun with that, but the premise of the message was basically that a Jesus-centered life aims to glorify Jesus with their entire life. That's the aim. I want to glorify him in everything that I do. And we talked about how, you know, we really are worshipers. We all worship something, and it's easy for us to worship things that are not God. And it can even be good things. Even talked about sports last week, like I love sports, and I didn't, I wasn't completely honest with you. If I, if I was honest with you and confess, I've done this publicly before, but sometimes sports has been my God, and God has convicted me of that, where I had, I put sports above God. Sometimes it's been church for me, or even ministry. Like I've been more in love with the ministry of God than doing, than, than loving the God of the ministry. And I don't want that for any of us. I want you and I to love Jesus more than we love anything else. Like, we can love and enjoy lots of things in life, but I want to love Jesus more. We want to glorify him in every area of our life. And so that was last week. Today, we're going to talk about that spirit-led portion of that phrase. Let's talk about being spirit-led people. Are you ready for this? You sure? You ready for this? I hope so, because this, this is important. The spirit-led life is the key to experiencing all that Jesus has for you. Living the spirit-led life, this is the key, friends, to experiencing all that Jesus has for you. And let me just stop and say, he's got a lot for you. Jesus has so much for you. Like, you could dream and imagine some pretty great things. He's got more than that. He is bigger than we can even comprehend. And the things that he has for us is just greater than what we can comprehend. Jesus has so much for you. Like, he's got this life full of adventure, not this boring, mundane existence where I just live through the religious motions and I be a good person. That's not the, the dreams and the visions and the plans that God has for you. Like, he's got this incredible adventure. That's why I love the Spirit-led life, because you never know where the Spirit's going to lead you, what he's going to do. If you li literally are living daily uh, by the Spirit, you just never know what's going to happen. It's this incredible adventure that only the Spirit can take you on. And he's got so much for you. He's got miracles for you. He, he wants you to experience uh, his freedom and breakthrough in your life. He wants you to experience all the joy and the strength that he has for you. Don't you want to live that kind of life? Well, he wants you to walk in and experience his power and his presence, not just every once in a while, but on a regular basis. 
The Spirit wants to lead you to people to share your faith with, and he's going to give you the boldness to actually do it and to make disciples and help mentor and just encourage people. He wants you to experience his glory. The Spirit-led life, this is the key for you and I to see a Jesus movement take place. And I would even say this is the goal. This is the goal of, of our life. The Christian's goal could be simply put to live a Spirit-led life. This is it. This is your goal. And so I want you to think about how you can arrange your life and rearrange your life to make sure that you are somebody who lets the Spirit lead you in your life every single day. This is how Jesus lived, by the way. Luke 4 says this very clearly. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say full. full. He's full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit. Everybody say led. So look at that. Jesus himself was full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit. So this is the goal for us. Jesus is our example, right? He's the one we want to follow. He's the one we want to emulate. This is why our mission says love people and live like Jesus. At the core of living like Jesus is being people who are filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And oh, by the way, if Jesus needed to do it, Lord knows we definitely need to live this way too, right? Like if the second person of the triune Godhead, God the Son, Jesus, lived a life here on earth filled with the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, we definitely need to live that way as well. This is the calling that you and I have in our life, to be filled with the Spirit, the presence of God, and to be led by Him in our lives. And so that's the key. That's the key to experiencing all that Jesus has for you. He's got great things for you. Has anybody watched that show the Chosen, anybody? Any Chosen fans out there? Okay, if you haven't watched it, I'd encourage you to watch it. It's super good. I mean, if you're gonna binge something on t TV, binge Jesus. Like, it's, it's, it's good, it's, it's really good. You know, not everything about it, obviously, is, is biblical. It's like, it's, they take creative license into how things could have been for their lives. But the main points of the stories, they stick to the Bible, which I really appreciate. Just really, it's, I, I highly recommend it. In fact, season four comes out in two weeks, I think. So uh, looking forward to season four. But what I love about The Chosen is it's really about these disciples that Jesus chose to follow him. He called them to follow him. And what you see in The Chosen is these guys don't have it all figured out. Like, these guys are knuckleheads. They don't understand everything that Jesus is trying to teach them. And he's taking them on a journey, and he's patient with them, and he's loving with them, kind of like he is with us. We're all on a journey, right? And so I just, I love that about the show. You can see this journey they're on. And when you read through the New Testament, you see the same thing. That's what you see. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, all talk about, you know, the life, death, ministry, uh, resurrection of Jesus, and not in that order, but all those things. And just love reading those. And you can see the disciples, as Jesus calls them, they're just, there's a progression of understanding what is going on and what Jesus is asking them to do and who he's calling them to be and all that. And Peter's probably the clearest example of it. You can see it in all of them. But Peter's very clear, especially since he's the one that first steps up to preach that first sermon that births the church. But when you find Peter in the beginning, he doesn't quite know what he should do. He doesn't have everything figured out. Now, he answers the call that Jesus gives him to follow him, drops his nets, quits his fishing business, and he follows Jesus. But then, you know, a little while later, Jesus is saying, hey, guys, who do people say that I am? 
And so they're saying, oh, yeah, some people say, like, you're, you're John the Baptist or Elijah, you know. And, but Jesus turns it on them and says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter's the first to pipe up like he usually is. He says, I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You are the Christ, the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're right. Blessed are you because this was revealed to you by God. And then he goes deeper into some more revelation and teaching about who he is and what his mission is. And later on, he's saying, hey, guys, by the way, I'm going to have to die, but I'm coming back. And Peter's like, no, not on my watch. Not if I have anything to do with it. That's not going to happen. And Jesus turns and looks at him and he says, this time, get behind me, Satan. Okay, so it's kind of funny to watch Peter's growth and his understanding, really for all the disciples. But the night before Jesus goes to the cross, he looks at all of his disciples and he says, okay, guys, you're all going to betray me. And Peter's like, I'm not. No way. Like, these guys, that they might, but I would never do that, Jesus. I'm always going to stick by your side. I would never turn my back on you. And Jesus says, well, in just a few hours, like three times you're going to do it. And Peter's like, no way. And like hours later, Peter's like, Jesus, I don't know the guy. I've never heard of him. Like, what? I, I, I don't even know who that guy is. And then you go to the end of... John chapter 21, last chapter of the last gospel, and you see Jesus, resurrected Jesus. He comes to Peter after Peter has denied him, and so here's resurrected Jesus, and, and Jesus so graciously and lovingly restores Peter and says, Peter, I still believe in you. I still love you. And I just love that chapter for all of us because some of you just need to know that Jesus still loves you and he still believes in you and he's got a call on your life no matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through. His grace is there for you. And he does that for Peter and he says, Peter, follow me, feed my sheep, lead my people. And oh, by the way, Peter, uh, as you do that, just know you're going to die on a cross. And Peter is like, wait, what? Time out. Hold on. What? What about this guy? What about John? What's going to happen with John here? And, and Jesus is like, don't worry about John. You just worry about you. John, he's going to live to be like an old, old guy. He's going to have a long life and die of old age. But you, you're going to die on a cross. Come and follow me, Peter. And Peter does. And then you turn the page over, Acts Chapter one, this is where the church begins. And I love, I love looking at Acts. So look at a few verses. We'll just read a couple of the verses that Pastor Amy just read earlier. Verse four, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. So he's like, let me reiterate this, guys. John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Mm. So what do they do? They actually do it. They listen to Jesus. They go back into Jerusalem after they see Jesus ascend into heaven. They go and they have like this 10-day prayer meeting. They wait and they pray and they wait and they pray because Jesus said, wait till the gift comes. Wait till it comes. Has it come yet? I don't know. I don't know. Has it come yet? And then on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 records this. The Holy Spirit falls in power, baptizes them in fire. It causes a commotion, a scene. All of Jerusalem hears about it, knows about it. Thousands of people are gathered around. What's going on? You guys are a bunch of drunks. And Peter stands up. And I love this. Where it says, I don't remember what verse is, verse 5 or 6. Maybe in your translation, it says, Peter stood up. With the 11. I just love this because here's the moment that Peter's life changes. 
He couldn't stand up to a little girl, but now he's going to stand up in front of thousands of people, and he's going to proclaim Jesus. Peter stood up. In my new living, it says he stepped forward. I want you to know the Holy Spirit will empower you to stand up, to, to move forward, to step forward. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. So here's Peter. He stands up, and he preaches his first sermon. And thousands of people respond to the message of Jesus, and the church is birthed. Okay, so that's just a quick synopsis of, of Peter's uh, life and his story up to the birth of the church. But you think about Peter, like what changed in Peter? What changed? Well, it's pretty simple. He was filled with the power of the Spirit. That's what changed. Like just five weeks earlier, he denied Jesus to a little girl. I don't know who you're talking about. Then you fast forward to this moment. He is preaching to thousands. You guys need to live for Jesus. He rose from the dead. Give your lives to him, and thousands of people respond to him. Peter didn't do a Daniel fast. Peter didn't do a, a, a social media fast. He didn't watch Bible Project videos. He didn't read a book on how to plant the church. The only thing that changed in his life was he was filled with the power of the Spirit. And then the church was birthed, and God began to move in a new and a fresh way. And, and by the way, this shows us exactly why Jesus wanted them to wait. Just think if he had sent them off, okay, guys, your turn, go. And he ascends into heaven, and they go out, okay, how are we going to do this? So he called them to go and make disciples. But he said, before you do that, don't do anything. Just wait. Wait. Because I got a gift coming, and it's going to fill you with power. And... He, the Holy Spirit, will empower you to be a witness everywhere you go. Jesus was very intentional about that. He knew that his people would need his presence in order to live out his purposes. I think this is why Peter, later on in, in, in one of his books that he wrote, he says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Those are Peter's words. He's probably thinking, I know, like I was that knucklehead. And then God's power filled me. He empowered me. And here's what I've lived out. Here's what I've experienced. His divine power has given you everything you need for life. Everything you need to live a godly life is found through not your power, not your strength, not your willpower, but through his power in your life. See, you and I were not meant to live this life on our own. We were not even meant just to live for him. We were meant to live with him and empowered by him. That's how God has designed us. Did you know that? You were designed to be in relationship with God and to allow him to fill you and empower you to live out this life. And maybe you have a longing inside of you for more. For more. More in 24. Remember, that's our phrase, right? <laughs> maybe there's a stirring for you like, I just, I just want to experience more in life. There's got to be more. If you've never said yes to Jesus and you felt that stirring in you, like there's got to be more to life, then that's, that's God revealing himself to you and saying, I am the more that you're seeking. I have more for you. If you're already a follower of Jesus and you got this stirring in you, there's got to be more, there's got to be more, then, then I would encourage you to surrender to the life and power of the Holy Spirit. Let him fill you and empower you and strengthen you and learn to live life in his strength, not your own. There is more that Jesus has for you. There's so much. He's got incredible plans for you guys, incredible things for you. He made you for more. And here's the key. The key is living the spirit-led life, right? 
That's how you and, you and I can experience all that Jesus has for us. And so in order for this to happen, we have to continually be filled. It's not a one-time deal. It's not like God filled me years ago at a camp, at this encounter. No, this is on a regular basis. Again, today, I pray that the Holy Spirit fills you and empowers you so that he can lead you. You read through the book of Acts in the early church, you see they were filled again, and then they were filled uh, again. This is a regular occurrence. We need to, again, today say, Holy Spirit, fill me, and Holy Spirit, lead me. That's, That's how we live this thing out. And that's how you and I can step into and experience all that he has for you. And if you don't believe me that Jesus has incredible things for you, then you don't know who he is. You need to understand, I pray for revelation today of who he is, how great he is, how mighty he is. We're talking about the one who placed all of the galaxies all over the universe, who created everything. That's who we're talking about. They're talking about the one who created you, who gave you life, and he created you to be in relationship with him, to not just know about him, but to truly know him, to walk with him, to receive his his spirit. This is what I love about following Jesus, because this isn't just a religion thing. Religion is about doing good things so you feel good about yourself and maybe just doing good things for people and, and all of this, and there's always a goal in religion, but this isn't religion. This isn't following rules. This isn't about being just good people. When you and I put our faith in Jesus, we become transformed people because here's what happens. His spirit comes and sets up residence inside of us. Like this is so different than any other worldview or religion that there is on this planet. Jesus says, follow me and oh, by the way, I'll come and live in you. I'll set up residence in you. My spirit will fill you and empower you. We should look, act, and be different than anybody else around us because the spirit of the living God lives inside of us. And I just love that. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, do it today so he can set up residence in your life too. And you can experience him. Mm. I love that about Jesus. So as believers, we all have the Holy Spirit, right? The question is this, does the Holy Spirit have you? And that's what I want to encourage you to live out today and this week. Holy Spirit, you have all of me. Not just part of me, not just a couple of days, all my heart, all my life, Holy Spirit, I give you all. All my life, every area, all my home and my family, I give it all to you. All my days, my minutes, I give it all to you. You have the Holy Spirit, but does he have you? That's the question. That is the goal And when he has us, that's when we really begin to see him move and do new things and do different things in our life. We'll see the miraculous take place. We'll see breakthrough. We even begin to see life differently. Like our eyes, it's like the lens of our life, our eyes is different. We see things differently because like the Holy Spirit is just filling us and leading us. And I pray that all of us would see life through the lens of the Spirit. So here's where it starts. It starts with this thing called desire. Desire is a very important thing. You and I all have have desires for certain things in our life, these longings, these things that we hunger for. Like, what do you want to see in your life? What do you want out of your life? And what happens is there's a daily battle for us, go back and forth, where I want to please myself 
Or if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to please the Lord with my life. I want to live that Jesus-centered life where I glorify him in everything I do. And we can go back and forth on that sometimes where there's this, this battle and it's based upon our desires that are at war within us, right? So that's why we got to think big picture. We got to go to the word. We got to spend time with him so that we get to this place where we remind ourselves and get back in this place where we are living according to the Spirit because I want the Spirit to lead me. I want to follow the desires that He has for me because I can veer off track and I can miss all that Jesus has for me, right? So what are we, what are we gonna pursue in life? What do we desire? And here's what I've learned is that desires determine direction. So whatever you desire, whatever you're hungry for, whatever you're going after and you're chasing in life, that's the direction you're going. So it's good for us to, Always evaluate, am I going in the right direction? And it may not even be bad. It could be good, but is it God? That's the question. God, is this the direction you want me to go in? So we want to live the spirit-led life where he's directing us. He's guiding us in in all that we do because our desires determine our direction. So we say, Holy Spirit, help me with my desires. Give me desires for you. This is why, you know, when we have desires, think about it. It causes us to do things that we wouldn't do if we didn't have those desires, which is kind of like one of those no-duh statements, right? Maybe I could say it this way. If we don't want something, we don't pursue it, right? That's a better way of putting it. If I don't want it, I won't do it. I won't go that direction. I won't pursue it. Kind of like pickleball right now. Have you heard about this rage of pickleball? Like it's the fastest growing sport in America. It's incredible for a lot of people. I don't want to play pickleball. So therefore, I don't. Because I don't want to. I know it's the fastest girl. I'm every, people from 7 to 70 are playing pickleball. There's a new restaurant in Glendale that you could play pickleball and sit down and, and eat food after you play pickleball with all of your friends. I mean, that's, that's cool and great, all that. It's all the rage. If you want to do it, go for it. I don't do it because I don't want to. It's simple like that, right? We don't do the things that we don't want to do, right? Many of us don't want to quit drinking coffee. Therefore, we don't because we don't want to, because we like coffee. (laughs) Pretty simple principle. Many of us don't want to exercise. Therefore, we don't. Or maybe there's this kind of this war. Here's where the war comes in play. Maybe you do want to exercise, but you still don't exercise. Therefore, you don't really want to. Your desire for exercising is not strong enough to change your behavior. So you can say you want it, but it's just a, it's a dream. It's a pipe dream. You don't really want it, because if you really wanted it, you'd do it. Because we don't do the things we don't want to do, but we do do the things we do want to do, right? That's why I love a 21-day fast. The 21-day fast, it rearranges our desires. That's what it does where we give up things that we love, that we enjoy. It could be even good things, not evil, sinful things, just things that we enjoy, like food. Food's good, right? But we give up food because we wanna make sure that our desire and our longing is for God more than anything else. And so we take this time and create this space where I give up some food so I can seek the Lord and I can go to his word and I can feast on the word, not just on food. And I find, like Jesus said, that this book, his words nourish me. They give me life. Actually, they give me better life than food does. And so we're replacing 
God with all these other things because we're really saying, God, I want you more than all this other stuff. That's what we're saying. I love what Jesus said about this. He said, my food, John 4, uh, is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. That's interesting. My food is to do the will of him who sent me to finish his work. And I think about this verse all the time when I'm fasting, like we're in a fast right now. This is my food. I might be giving up physical food right now, but my food is, God, I just want to be in the center of your will. I want you to speak to me. I want to hear from you. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? What do you want me to do with this? I'm fasting, praying about decisions. I'm praying and fasting that God would move in our church. We'd see a Jesus movement. We'd see revival. We'd see renewal take place. I'm asking for all these things because I just long for those things more than I want food. That's what I want. And so sometimes we need to give up some, something like food or other things to find out where our desires really are. And it helps us rearrange our desires so that we put Jesus first and say, Jesus, I want you more than anything else. I want to be at the center of your will. And if we're honest, we want other things in life more than we want God's will in our life. Too often. We, that's why we don't, you know, go to the Bible sometimes because we just don't feel like it. I don't have a desire for it. I don't have a hunger for it. I don't go to a Bible study. I don't go even to church. I just don't have a desire for it. Some of us, we, you know, we talk about disciple maker and we get a little nervous, like, I don't want to do that. I don't have time. Uh, you're asking too much of me, Tyrone. Uh, Jesus wouldn't ask this much of me. And we just, we, we can convince ourselves of all these things and I'm pretty busy, I'm pretty important, or I don't know how, I'm too nervous, I'm too scared, uh, I'm not good enough to do it, we can even go there, all these things, but we can miss out on God's will for our life because we desire all these other things, and really it comes down to I'm just pleasing myself. And so what happens is we settle for less than. When we aren't experiencing God's will for our life, we are settling for less than. You know, some of the strongest Christians I've met in life, they are the hungriest ones for God. They have a hunger for God, a hunger for his word, and a hunger just to see God move in their life. Don't you just love hanging out with those people? And I think our lack of seeing God move in our life is really because we desire other things more than we desire God. We don't we don't experience more of God's power and his presence in our life because... We're just satisfied without it. We're satisfied without him. And I'm not trying to be condemning here. I'm just kind of sharing my heart, just trying to get us to think about rearranging our desires. What do you long for in life? What direction are your desires taking you? What do you hunger for? Because I think too often we find ourselves settling for less than what God has for us. We settle. It's like we could have a McDonald's cheeseburger or a Paradise Valley Burger Company cheeseburger, and we choose McDonald's. Like, why would we do that? That doesn't even make sense. Why would you choose McDonald's when you can have Paradise Valley Burger Company, greatest burger on planet Earth, cheeseburger? Why? Now, that illustration kind of, it pales in comparison to what God offers us because we're going after temporal, earthly things when God offers us eternal, like his kingdom. He has all these riches and this inheritance for us that we miss out on because we're going after the earthly and the temporal and we're satisfied with that and we miss out on all that he has for us. Come on, don't settle. Let's not settle. Let's live a life where we're letting the Spirit lead us so we can experience all that Jesus has for us in our lives. All right, Griffin, why don't you go ahead and come on up. I'm gonna jump ahead. 
because we took a lot of time earlier in this, in our gathering here, so I just want to jump ahead and kind of bring it to a close here. So James, the brother of Jesus, he said these words. He became the leader, one of the key leaders of the church in Jerusalem, and he said this, and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for the, your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And we, our loyalty can sometimes be divided between God and the world. So what do we do? We humble ourselves before the Lord. When you want strength to resist that temptation, it doesn't come in your strength, it comes in his strength. So what do we do? We start with humble ourselves before the Lord, submit yourselves then to God, then resist the devil. You have authority and strength and power out of walking in humility and submission to the Lord in your life. Then you can have strength to resist the devil and you just walk in humility. And God has grace for us as we walk in humility. Paul said it this way. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So how do we not do what the sinful nature craves? Just let the Spirit lead us in our life. Why? Well, first and foremost, again, because you don't want to experience all that your sinful nature has for you. You want all that Jesus has for you. And it happens through the Spirit-led life. That's the key to experiencing all that Jesus has for you in your life. And so I wonder how much of our life is led by the Spirit how much is led by the flesh? We want to be people of the Spirit, led by the Spirit. You probably have heard of the Salvation Army. Of those guys that ring those bells during the holidays and ask for money, you walk out of the grocery store and you feel guilty because no one carries cash anymore. And you're like, sorry, bro, I just used my debit card in there, but good luck, God bless. Uh, they're famous for that, but the Salvation Army is actually a really cool organization. They're serving the poor, serving people that need help and, and, and getting people into jobs. They're discipling people. Like, it really is an army for the Lord, and they're doing great things. They aren't just thrift shops and ringing bells and collecting money and holiday. Like, they're making disciples of Jesus. So they got a great thing going. It all started with this guy named William Booth. William Booth received a vision from God, just this passion, really this burden from the Lord. And people wondered, why is Salvation Army making such a big impact in London and all of England? And it's really expanded across the globe. And this is what William Booth said. He says, I will tell you the secret. God has had all that there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, even with greater opportunities. But from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and caught a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with me and them, on that day, I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth there was. And if there's anything of power in the Salvation Army, it is because God has had all the adoration of my heart, all the power of my will, and all the influence of my life. I just love that. If you see any power and any great things happening through the Salvation Army, it's because of God's power. It's because we've just given him all. He's get, he has full reign of our lives, our hearts, our adoration, everything. Man, let that be said of us. 
If there's anything great and of power in Rivers Church, it's because we just gave God all of our lives and all of our hearts. If there's anything great and of power in my home and in my family, it's because our family just gave all of our hearts, all of our lives, and all of our adoration to Jesus. We just went all in, and that's and Jesus' power just showed up. I love that. And so William Booth is saying it's really just this power of surrender. And he's famous for saying that. The greatness of a man's power less really rests in his ability just to surrender to the Lord and let the, let the Lord lead. Isn't that what Peter did? Like, that's what happened in Peter's life. Like, remember Peter, the knucklehead, who all of a sudden is preaching to thousands and the church is birthed? What changed in him? Spirit came over his life, presence of God, and he was a changed man. And I love what uh, this author said about the early church, Simon Ponsonby, he said, those early Christians, they had no degrees from the best universities. They had no, uh, been on no MBA management courses, gone through no psychological Myers-Briggs compatibility profiles. They had no financial investment portfolios, but they had a revelation of God and revelation of their inheritance in Christ and Holy Spirit power from on high. With this, God took 120 people and shook the world. Revelation of God, filled with power from on high. Man, what they do? They just sat for 10 days and they waited and they prayed and they waited and they prayed and they waited and they prayed. Holy Spirit came down, filled them and empowered them. The rest is history, friends. You and I are sitting in this room because they waited and they prayed. And the future of the church rests on our ability to continue to wait and pray and receive this gift that God has for all of us so we can walk in the power uh, of Jesus and experience all that he has for us, not just for us, but for everybody around us. Because they received the fire of God. It shows us we need this baptism of fire in God so that we can be a power, empowered to be a witness for Jesus. And here's my concern. Here's my fear. Is that the baptism of the Spirit can easily be just a doctrine, but not an experience. And I pray that this be something you and I experience, not just agree with. Not just believe in. Not just adhere to. But we experience. Come on, you want all that God has for you? It rests in you and I saying, okay, God, here I am. Fill me and lead me. Fill me and lead me. Fill me, Lord, and lead me. The Spirit-led life is the key to experiencing all that Jesus has for you. This is what Jesus said. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses everywhere you go. You want that? Come on, I don't want to just read about God's power. I don't want to read about, like, you know, his, his fire falling, the wind, the spirit moving, his glory falling in, in scriptures. Like, I want to see it. I want to experience it. I want it to happen here. I want it in my life. Let's not just settle for being good people, going through religious motions. Come on, we serve a risen Jesus who also raises the dead. He raises the dead, friends. Come on, so let's just be people who say, Jesus, I want it all. I want all that you have for me. So hey, let's stand to our feet right now. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.com. 
www.thepowerofgodchurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.